Leader Talk. 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 Hi everyone, my name is Natalie Dawson. Welcome to Leader Talk. This show is proudly brought to you by Brainiac. Each week we are meeting with incredible leaders from around the world to discuss all things leadership and business insights. Each person coming on this talk show has given up their valuable time for one very clear purpose, to give back to small and medium business owners. Many of us will agree that all businesses face risk, yet at the same time, a well-managed business with a great leader will also create great opportunities. So today, my co-host, CEO of Peerlight, Gus Arianto and I are fortunate to chat to our guest speaker, Leanne Haywood. Leanne is an OAM recipient, experienced non-executive director, consultant and senior executive with broad general management experience gained through an international career in the mining, rural, government and not-for-profit sectors. Today, Leanne will share with us her views on risk management, leadership and how this can help your business succeed. Welcome to the show, Leanne. Thanks, Natalie. You've made me sound amazing. <laughs> you are amazing, and we are going to learn more about you when you introduce yourself shortly. But firstly, we're going to start off with what we do with all our guests, and that's asking two fun questions. So we've prepared yours for this week, and your first question is, what is your favourite holiday destination? It's definitely Port Stephens, which is two hours north of Sydney. So uh, my husband and I used to go to Port Stephens when we were teenagers with my parents for holidays. We spent some of our honeymoon at Port Stephens. We started taking our children there when they were babies, and now our children and their babies come there with us for holidays. So we're just about to look at purchasing a holiday home there, so we always have room for our growing family to, to come to Port Stephens on holidays with us. Fantastic. I'm surprised I haven't bumped into you there. That's where we holiday all the time too. It's a beautiful place. Gus, if you haven't been, you have to try it out. It's well, I think so now listening to Leanne, I, I, I better book my holiday there. And if you could invite anyone to dinner, who would it be and why? Well, I've, I have heard your previous podcast and I have heard you ask that question and I've given it a lot of thought. And, you know, the intellectual answer to that question is Julie Bishop. Um, because I deeply admire her. But the real answer to that question is my husband, Michael, because I can't imagine anyone else I'd rather spend the evening with. <laughs> that is fantastic that is great. And, Leah, before we do begin, if you can introduce yourself. I did have a look at your bio and your incredible um, experience, but it's way too long for me to summarise it in an intro. So I'll hand it over to you to you know introduce yourself and tell everyone who is Leanne Hayward. Okay, well, um, I guess who is Leanne Haywood? There's two aspects to that. That's the, there's the career aspect and then there's the personal aspect. So as people always do, I'll kick off with the career aspect. But So I'm a non-exec director. I'm on three ASX boards, uh, one in the lithium mining industry, one in the forestry industry and one in uh, advanced manufacturing. And I'm also on the board of the Australian Meat Processor Corporation. Um, that's, that's my work. Um, I also chair WOBSX, which is a mentoring and coaching forum for women who are seeking to achieve ASX board roles. So that kicked off just this week and uh, it's been a great experience so far. Um, from the personal side, I am wife to Michael, 
uh, and mother to Rachel, Ben and David, and Nana to Billy, uh, Macy and Walter. So, and and there's another there's another one on the way. So, um, so that's uh, that. My passion is my family. I love to spend time with my family. Love nothing more than everyone to be at home as they were last weekend, all together. So, married to Michael. Michael's a farmer in Central West New South Wales. So that's where I live. Oh, that's so great. And you know, can I just ask this? Like, you've had such an incredible um, experience with leadership. Do you have a proud moment as a leader? Is there anything that stands out as a proudest leadership moment? Well, I think um, one moment that stands out really clearly to me was when I was um, working as general manager marketing for Rio Tinto and and marketing the OU Tolgoy, the copper from the OU Tolgoy project. And I was in a meeting room with the chair of the board who was previously the Mongolian ambassador to China Um, and he said to me he said to me you have been responsible for achieving international terms for Mongolia's product for the first time in Mongolia's history wow wow that is a proud moment Leanne for someone to say that (laughs) history yes right I mean, that is a proud moment. Yeah. That's a proud moment. And I want to ask yeah. before we start as well, Ian, you know, uh, uh, your passion is family. Yet when we hear your career, it's not a career that uh, comes without a lot of sacrifice, you know, for you to chase so many uh, mega business, to be involved, you know, uh, with mentoring others. Uh, yet, you know, uh, uh, a wife, uh, with a lot, you know, you met your husband, you mentioned to us before, uh, since you are on year eight, uh, and then now you have grandkids, it's uh, you, you're going on holiday to Port Stevens, you know, you must be a very well balanced executive with passion on family uh, and career. That's just an outstanding, you know, from the outside, that, that loan is showing you are a well-managed, uh, uh, successful uh, person. I like, I like to think so, Gus, and I think it's very much a partnership between my myself and my husband. So when I was working for Rio Tinto, I was travelling internationally literally every week and there was never a complaint from him, not even near a complaint from him. He he was supportive, he was encouraging, he he kept the home fires burning while I while I flipped off overseas every week. Um, but the big thing for me was always being accessible to my family. So despite the fact that I was overseas and involved in multi-billion dollar negotiations, my children knew they just needed to text me. Um, they they could text me if they told me they needed to talk to me urgently. I would step out of whatever I was doing um, and whoever I was talking to to call them. Um, they They struggled to understand what was urgent and what wasn't when they were younger. I did interrupt a very important conversation once to call my daughter and she asked me where the cake tin was that she needed to cook a cake with. Um, But uh, I I always tried to be accessible to them. They knew that if they needed me that I would jump on a plane at a moment's notice and be home. And when I was home, the mobile phone and the laptop were switched off. So my husband would pick me up from the airport uh, at lunchtime on Friday and we would head to the pub and have have 
lunch and a glass of wine and he knew he had my attention until I jumped back on that plane again. I worked very, very hard while I was away. I worked nights and weekends to make sure that when I was home, I was truly home and present. I love that. I love that. Uh, maybe this is for another topic, but, you know, even listening to that, even listening to what you mentioned, you know, in career, we see a lot of people and I uh, I openly say making a lot of excuse, whether it work, whether it's family. Yet I'm sitting here listening to someone that putting career without the, no excuses. You travel, you're going out from your family, but yet you have the ability to say, when I'm home, I'm fully at home. And when I work, I'm fully at work because I'm responsible for so many people. Well done, Leanne. It's just outstanding the way you describe it. It yeah. come across that. You're way. really inspiration. Thank you. Uh, look, going on to our leadership questions, Leanne, you know, we know the journey to the top is actually really hard in business and you've been at the top. So from your experience and your journey, what are, say, the top two lessons that uh, small and medium business owners could that you could share with them from your own experience. So it's it's quite difficult to boil it down to two, uh, and on reflection, I'm not sure that the second is is necessarily relevant to very small business owners. But number one is have a plan and make it happen. Um, number two is pull people up the ladder alongside you. See that is that is that is something that uh, uh, once again I think who who talk about uh, have a plan uh, Conrad Gronewald the CEO mm -hmm. of Deadbolt okay. you know have your notes start and then have a plan and people do not put the time to put a plan especially when we are a small and medium business uh, we wake up in the morning our plan is to work throughout the day uh, and to make sure that uh, you know our business run uh, but now we listen to Lian as well having a plan is so incredibly important. Leanne, do you have any uh, suggestion? When we talk about planning, having a plan for success, how comprehensive is it? Like, uh, is it have to be like a financial planning? <laughs> like, you know, like you, or, or what is planning in the simplicity uh, for small business, do you think? The, the, the necessary concept of planning in your opinion. Let's, um, let's make it really simple and let's work with a whiteboard. Um, and let's just write down our goals for the next year, two years, three years, four years, and five years. Um, it, it's as easy as that. So recently, um, recently, my husband and I did sit down to write down our financial goals, and it took us, I don't know, it maybe an hour to work out our overarching financial goals, retirement goals, timelines, etc. There's a whole lot more work in making it happen, but those goals were very clear to both of us uh, and very easy to write down. And now we're in the process of working out how we make it happen. Do you see from your uh, from your experience, Leanne, uh, when we're talking about goal setting, planning, uh, not only people, a lot of people not doing it, but it's a character of the individuals, like you talking about business, success, leadership planning, and then you put, hey, my husband and I sit down for hours to actually thinking about our personal. So you as a build uh, is quite disciplined around this. In your experience, do you see many people doing this? Or uh, if you put a blanket, nah, people are lacking around uh, this. We need to do this. No, I think I think probably there are many that do it and do it well, and there are many that do it, don't do it, and therefore perhaps suffer. There are some that don't do it and are successful anyway. So um, 
uh, we had a wonderful speaker speak to my Wallace X cohort. Her name was Kerry Schott, and she said that her her career was a happy accident. <laughs> um, but she's amazingly successful and an incredible woman. So it's not always um, a model for failure, but I think planning can help to achieve success. And and if I think about personality types. My personality type, I did, a, I did a program once, one of those psych tests, and it suggested that I was more structured than 98.5% of the world's population. So if you, want, if you want structure, you come to me. My husband, is, my husband is the complete opposite. So thankfully he likes being, he doesn't mind being organised because he does get organised by me, uh, but he would never, he would not organise himself. Um, yet he has a plan for the farm. So he knows uh, next year what paddocks will go down to loosen, what paddocks will go down to wheat. Um, he knows how many sheep he's going to have on deck. He he has a long-term plan for what he wants to achieve on the farm. And I put I put together the finance pl- financial plan around that and I let him know where there's gaps and, and things we need to be aware of. Yeah. And I... That's fantastic. And can you repeat your second one? Sorry, Ned, I, I just lost. Uh, bring people on the journey on the ladder. What, what, what did bring, what did you bring, say? Uh, I think it was bring pe- good people up the ladder with you, or something to that effect. I can't remember the exact words, but it's. I come from an era where um, it was not common to have women in the mining industry, and it was very common for women who climbed the corporate ladder to drag that ladder up behind them and and leave everyone else down the bottom and it's very much my passion to make sure that I'm bringing people up alongside me. It is a great one. And Leanne, you know, we've spoke previously and you spoke about mentorship and you were very passionate about this. Um, Again, you know, we're talking to small and medium business owners. Can you share why you think this would be, why would they actually benefit from having mentors? Because I know you're a mentor yourself. How would uh, business owners benefit from actually reaching out and having a mentor themselves? Well, I think it's someone you can bounce ideas off. Yeah. And it's it's someone who's neutral, someone who's outside of the day-to-day stress of your business who can give you a completely different outlook. Um, when choosing a mentor, I recommend that people choose people who are very different to them. Um, if I was choosing a mentor... I don't want to choose someone who's as organised and structured as as I am because I need to learn to be more free-flowing and, um, and, and, you know, I need to learn to to do things differently. So if I choose someone who's simply going to reinforce my my own ideas, I'm not getting value out of that. So uh, I would choose someone who's very different to me who might teach me something new. Uh, Is that something that always been with you as a person like that, Leanne? Because uh, I'm a... uh... Let's bring the kebab at 11 o'clock now. I'm a kebab shop owner. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> you know, uh, um, I don't want uh, to get a, uh, input uh, about uh, how salty my kebab uh, when I think my kebab is uh, the best in my neighborhood. Like, I mean, the personality of a person uh, matter because you can have a thousand mental, but if you close your ears, you literally don't, get a lot of things and what interesting what you said before select a mentor that is different to you so you get a very very uh you know um broad uh, not diverse opinion so you can grow 
what are you always been like that from uh, for a long time that you open to opinions or this is something we need to develop like how what do you say to me as a kebab owner like i it's very difficult Liam, to hear someone telling me how to cook kebabs <laughs> like i'm the master of it the best, <laughs> the best mentors uh hit you right between the eyes with something that really hurts yeah. um so yes you do need to develop the skill to do that and i haven't always had it my first lesson in understanding that um I needed to grow and develop in my leadership was so I've always been very focused and I was working at um, North Parks Mines and when I walked into the office I was actually when I walked up the hallway I was actually facing my office and my mind was completely on what I was going to be doing when I hit that desk what I had on for the day what I needed to to get done and one day this very kind woman who reported to me so very kind and very brave I might say sat down with me and said, um, Leanne, from my experience of you, I know that you're a very warm, generous, giving pe- person, but everybody thinks you're a bitch. And I said, I said why? why? And she said, because, because you walk in the, in the office of a morning and you don't say hello to people. And so I didn't even see people on my way into the office. I probably passed a dozen people on my way into the office, but my mind was so focused on my office, what I had to do, what I had to get done in the day, that I wasn't um, taking the time to um, have the conversations, get to know people. And so I made it a point from that day forward, and it was kind of like diarising, be nice to people, because it just I had to make it a habit, that I made a point from that day on, my first thing in the morning was to go around each of the people in my team and have a chat. And I'm, it might start off with um, the TV show they'd w- watched the night before or the son that had broken his arm and they'd been in hospital all night so you understand that person's under a bit of stress. It, it might start off with the personal. But it often then landed in some problem they had to face that day from a work perspective that you were able to solve really quickly. So that was my very first lesson in leadership vers- versatility uh, and in understanding that other people needed certain signals to know who I was. That's a great example. And I think it kind of brings us onto the topic then of, you know, feedback. Like this wasn't even a mentor. This was just someone giving you feedback. So I guess, you know, what would be your advice to then business owners? Maybe they're they're thinking, you know, mentors hard work, but it's just as simple as asking people for feedback, isn't it? About how your, let's go Gus, how the kebab shop is, how the customer service is really, isn't it? It's it's not so much, I'm just conscious that people listening out there might think a mentor is something I've got to go get a person and I've got to sit with them once or twice a week and just listen to them, but stretch it out to feedback. Feedback is just as important. Would you agree with that? I would, and I guess um, I haven't necessarily had formal mentors through my life as people talk about formal mentors. I have had a professional coach uh, and who is now a great friend and mentor, but um, there's been people that have influenced my life on the way through from my year six teacher in primary school, my um, year 12 teacher in mathematics, um, my year 12 teacher in, in English, I've had um, people who reported to me that are now have now become mentors to me and people I can pick the phone up and, and ask questions about uh, of. 
Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a formal relationship. I think people do get good value from formal relationships. Um, it hasn't been that for me. My husband is my mentor. My daughter is my mentor. It, it, I have this whole range of people that I can reach out to and, and ask for advice. Um, a memorable moment with my professional coach, and this is what I mean about slamming you between the eyes, um, I used to ask him to observe team meetings from time to time. So I had an international team of about six people and once a year we would get together for, for team development sessions and management meetings and so forth and strategy meetings and I used to ask him to observe those meetings from time to time and he, um, after one of such meetings, he said to me, uh, I could hear some really unattractive arrogance coming out in you during that meeting. And I was horrified. I was horrified. But it was a real moment where I looked back at my behaviour and said, yep, I can see what you mean. This is, this is why you are very successful, Leanne. We asked you in the public forum about mentorship and we dig down about examples and so light on your shoulder explaining about some of the gaps, whether when you walk to the office, whether how you chair meetings. Uh, it feels like one thing that I can learn, uh, good or bad, if we take it positively, it's nothing to be shy about because we can grow and we can get the benefit. I, I just feel like you are very, uh, you know, you are, your energy is very, hey, that was my weakness back then, according to other lens. That's not necessarily 100% true because just because you're not saying hello, you're walking focus on helping the business as well. But if that's the feedback, I take it. I take that feedback and I change it. That that, that alone is uh, it, your personality will make a lot of mental very happy because the last thing we want when someone asks, hey, can you give us a feedback? And when we give the feedback, they look at us like, no, nah, I don't like you. That, that, <laughs> That's... <laughs> there, is, there is actually a place for that, Gus, and, and I think um, you will get lots of feedback in your life and, and what I try and do is to um, reflect on that feedback and decide if I believe it's something I need to act yeah. on or not. Sometimes people who don't know you very well will give you feedback um, and I think sometimes you need to say, hang on a minute, that's not, that's not true. Um, and so yeah. I'm not. I'm going to let that one slide. And look, a good example. A good example. And this is a personal example. But at one stage, very long, very many years ago, my husband um, had a conversation with me about something he was very unhappy about that I that he felt I had done. And I reflected on it. I was very upset, and I reflected on it overnight. And I got up in the morning, and I said. I've really thought hard about what you've said to me and I think that you've misinterpreted what I've done and here's why. And I told him and he said to me, he, he wasn't then bothered by the original act that upset him. He said to me, that was, it was really wonderful that you thought so hard about that. He just was, he was just happy that I had actually given it the attention and just, and and come back to him and said, no, look, I think you got it wrong. I think you misinterpreted my actions, um, and I apologise for for the fact you felt that way. But but I didn't I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, 
it, it's really, you know, you kind of bringing these um, lessons to life with personal um, examples are really, it, it's really yeah. helping understand it all. So um, that's a really great one. Thanks, Leanne. And, you know, we spoke to you last week or earlier this week, sorry, and you said to us the importance of walking the talk and how important that is to your leadership style. And you gave us some really great examples. Do you see many examples where leaders perhaps fail on this, where they don't walk the talk as such? Yes, I see examples of it all the time. And and I think sometimes they're just small examples, but they really build up to to people, people not believing in their leaders or not believing in the rules that have been set. So I think, you know, we see political leaders um, drink driving. <laughs> we see political leaders not wearing masks when they should and getting fined for it. We see we see that sort of behaviour in the political arena and that's because it's so public. But we also see it in, in companies. And, and some, you know, one really good example for me was um, we were doing a, a tour of a processing plant at one of our mine sites as a board. We got to a point in the the plant where there was a sign that said hearing protection was mandatory. When I asked the tour guide where we could find our hearing protection, he said, don't worry, we won't be here long. And we continued the tour. And I felt incredibly uncomfortable that here was the board, everybody, eyes on all of us, walking through this place with a sign that said mandatory hearing protection and we didn't have hearing protection on. And yet we expect all of our teams to comply with the safety rules to keep themselves safe. So when we got back to the boardroom, I raised it with the board and I said, look, made me really uncomfortable and I don't don't ever want it to happen again. There was nothing I could do about it at the time because we didn't have hearing protection with us. We hadn't been effectively prepared for the the tour. Um, So we just had to get out of the situation. But when I went back to the boardroom, I said, absolutely uncomfortable, uh, next time I will walk back down that ladder and stop the tour or if we don't have hearing protection because it's not appropriate for us to set a poor example to the rest of the team. And I think this is this is so, so important. You know, even when we relate to sports, for, for example, and in the relation of walk the talk, uh, the higher you are on the elite sports, whether you are a coach, for example, even a coach, the coach will still do the running with the people that they coach. Yet in business, the higher you are, there's a lot of examples. They actually don't even understand how to sell anymore because they're no longer selling. That's not mean the higher you are that you need to do that, but the people in the organization are actually watching. Yeah. 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 So I always say to Natalie uh, that I know how to cook the kebabs. I know exactly how to clean it. And I know exactly how to punch the order while she's actually taking the order. So Natalie, I do all the things that you can do in my kebab shop, all right? Even, Leanne, to add to that, you know, I remember during the COVID lockdown, you know, I was always encouraging, you know, um, the Elite Words team to move away from their desk, to move and walk because we sit down for such a long period of time. And there came, there was one day where it was already 4, 4.30. I hadn't even moved. And it was that, what example am I setting? That's it, up. I'm gone for half an hour and actually walk the talk because there's one thing saying it, but if the person that's leading the team, you know, um, the landscaping business or whatever we are, if we're not actually doing it to set that example, it's very hard to follow. Would you agree if someone is actually not 
if they're just saying it, it's kind of, you know, what example is being set? No, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And, and a very simple example in that regard for me was uh, I always insist that people take a break for lunch. I think it's healthy to take a break for lunch and it refreshes the mind. And again, at North Park's Mines, it became a real thing. And we ended up with a table under a tree and it was called the Tree of Knowledge uh, because we would all we would all sit around this table and have our lunch break and, and some fabulous conversations would, would ensue. So um, I went from having a team who sat and ate at their desk to a team who over the months gradually uh, moved towards having a break sitting under the tree of knowledge and having a yarn while they while they had their lunch and and that was that was really great to see that is great and look I want to move on to risk management because it is a topic that I think and we've had this discussion you know it's something it can sound scary maybe it's perhaps overlooked by a lot of our listeners out there but it is a really important topic because all businesses face risk so before we kind of go into the questions Leanne can you perhaps in a in a simple way, explain to everyone out there what is risk management. Well, really, it's it's um, it's three things. It is identifying the key risks for your business or your personal life, for that matter, and then it is about ranking those risks. So, deciding which risks are high, medium, and low, and you can do that intuitively if you want to do it. Um, more scientifically, there's certain tools you can look up that will help you rank the risks. And then it's about acting on those risks, mitigating those risks. So, for example, you might find that there are nine key risks in your business. Three of them are high, three of them are medium, and three of them are low. And so you choose to put action plans in place for the three that are high to be to reduce that risk over the next six months. And then once you've done that, you look at the medium risks and do that over the next six months. And then once a year, you look at all the risks again and see if there's any new ones, see if any have dropped off the scale, see if your risk mitigation has been successful and do the whole process again. Uh, Leanne, if we just uh, relate this fully on business, fully on business, when we start ranking them, so we identify risks, uh, but I'm a very... Uh, you know, even as a person, I'm a hypochondriac, you know, everything is risky for me, uh, you know. So how do I balance the, the the identification of the risk so it's not become uh, everything is risky and I'm unable to move on? Like, is there any simple tips for small business? Uh, instead of I'm, you ask about maybe ranking 10, what happens if I comes with 100 risks? <laughs> well, you have to rank them. <laughs> you, know, you have to rank them and decide you know, what's important. Um, so, um, <laughs> yeah. so I once had a compliance uh, officer reporting into me, and he said to me, "My job is to give this business a really good set of brakes so it can drive really fast." And so, when you're looking at risk management, what you're looking to do is to make sure that there is no risk that is going to derail the business. It's not about looking at the risks and saying, I can't go ahead. It's about looking at the risks and saying, I can fix that so that my business can bloom. That is a fantastic statement. So what you're saying is, uh, putting the analogy of a car, uh, well, the brakes can stop the car, but that's not mean the car not moving. The car can now run at 300 kilometers per hour because we have an advanced brake. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> 
It's fantastic. And let's let's extend that and say that the planning is the steering wheel. The planning is the steering wheel. The brake is for safety and just in case yeah. something bad yeah. happened. But you are running a business that want to drive up to 300 yeah, kilometers. Per exactly. Hour. Thank you. I need to write this down. This is <laughs> this is so good. Never see it that way, by the way, Leanne, if you want me to be honest with you, I never see it that way. And you just make yeah. it so simple. Yeah, and and, I really and Leanne, like for those, those listening out there now and going, wow, you know, and, the, you know, it's kind of a wake-up call, but they've never looked at the risks for their business. What are... What are two, oh, let's say, okay, they don't have the time, they don't have the money. You know, that, that's usually the two common things that, you know, business owners say because they are so busy managing customer relationships, you know, looking after their people, etc. Why is it so important? What are two reasons you can give them that say you need to make time to do a risk assessment? You need to do this because ultimately can a business fail if they don't do it? Well, I think, yes, absolutely. Absolutely they can fail if they don't do it. And, you know, my, my dad was a, a Commonwealth Bank manager and, and he used to say that the most common reason he saw for failure in business was lack of working capital. So that's a financial impact. Do you have enough working capital to, to get through the ups and the downs of your business? Um, the, the other thing is um, from a safety perspective, so let's go to the kebab shop owner, uh, if you've got a if you've got a step leading into your shop that that someone's going to trip over on the way in and break their leg, um, you know, are, are you then going to be faced with a liability that is going to ruin your your financial stability? Are you going to have to close the shop and declare bankruptcy because someone has tripped over the step that you didn't pay attention to and broken their leg? Yes, and and in the identification of that, just just this is because like what I said previously. Uh, the way we look at risk management and identifying of the risk uh, also required a different lens, a different eye, and this is related to your mentor mentorship or you know things. Uh, you know, you talking about you know yes. Uh, to be honest, my kebab shop have a couple of steps in front. I never think about it. Uh, Natalie come to work and fall, and then the next thing I need to close my business. Uh, do you have to go through that far in terms of, hey, find an expert, uh, find, find like, like, is there any um, uh, any suggestion from your side, Leanne, for us small business owners? Like uh, how, because our eyes is not as in tune as a very disciplined organization that very experienced on this. Uh, how do we make sure that we have enough cover uh, when we look at this, you know, yeah, I gave that quite a bit of thought because a lot of um, a lot of what I do. So I I came from Rio Tinto, who had excellent risk management processes and practices and systems and and experts and all of those sort of things. And and I'm now on the board. I'm chair of audit and risk for three much smaller companies. And so I had to think about what I'd learned in Rio Tinto and how that applied in a smaller company with less resources, less experts, less systems. And it's the principles that count. So if I take that another step to a small, uh, to a small and medium enterprise, so the step from Rio Tinto to um, to a smaller business was let's not have these amazing multi-million-dollar international systems. Let's use a spreadsheet. 
the step from those companies to a small and medium enterprise might be let's use a whiteboard. The, and the key to identifying the risks is brainstorming. You don't need you don't need uh, an expert in this. You need to get your team together because someone will have noticed that step. Someone in the team will have, will be able to say, "Hey, I've been thinking that step probably isn't very safe." Um, and so you 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 do brainstorm. You don't talk about it. You brainstorm. I, I facilitate risk assessments all the time, and I only know what I know from being part of risk assessments. So. Um, you, you just, I think you gave me an example as we were getting ready for this of, of a, a real estate agent who has 10 staff. Now, surely, well, I would imagine that a real estate agent who has 10 staff has some sort of weekly meeting, weekly planning meeting, weekly discussion meeting, weekly problem solving meeting. So simply dedicate 15 minutes of that meeting every week to risk. Spend the first month brainstorming the risks the second month ranking the risks, which ones are high, medium and low, and then the third month developing an action plan for each of the high risks and then every month check off that you're acting on the action plan and the timeline you set in place. In 12 months' time, review that list and see if anything's new uh, or have you done what you said you would do and have you reduced the risk of all the highs to mediums or lows. So it doesn't have to be scientific doesn't have to have a huge system to manage manage it spreadsheet suffice, suffices a whiteboard suffices it's the process of the conversation and the thinking and the identification and the acting yes lovely and listening even to you that's hence it is very important the leader of doesn't matter what organization it has to start with this person to be very open on feedback because, you know, when we do the brainstorming, if they're not open on the feedback itself, then it become, uh, you know, but uh, one's brainstorming and no one give another input the next meeting. And uh, I just love the simplicity. Of yeah, look, I think we need to think about the principle of brainstorming in the first place. So a lot of people get brainstorming wrong. The principle of brainstorming is that everything goes up on the board. So there's no discussion. Someone gives an idea, it gets written up on the board. Uh, and that that um, gets rid of that filtering that might occur on the way through the process. It makes sure that people feel comfortable to give their ideas because there's no discussion, no criticism, no nothing but writing it up on the board. Yeah. And Leanne, for everyone listening out there and they're thinking risks, what kind of risks? You've mentioned like the risk of tripping over the front step. So we've got safety risks. Maybe, you know, there's obviously financial risks. Uh, what risks should we, like, Is there, are there certain categories that we should be looking out for? Or is there something, can, well, just some guidance to give them just certain risks? I mean, there's risks in all areas, but just perhaps something that they may not think would be classified as a risk. Well, if I was to just rattle off a list off the top of my head, there's, there's obviously safety, environmental, financial uh, there might be succession. So that's something we talked about earlier, uh, Natalie, is that if you have a business owner and he's the only one that can open the shop in the morning, he's the only one that knows how to deposit the, the cash in the bank, he's the only one that can close the shop in the evening, he's the only one that knows the alarm code, then what happens if he gets, you know, hit by a bus? The business halts. So is there anyone else in the business who knows what to do? In my own personal life, I'm the I'm kind of the financial controller of the family. 
And I'm very aware that uh, I need to put a list together for my husband of who to contact in the event something happens to me. It might just be the phone number of our accountant and our, our financial advisor and a list of our bank accounts and, and you know, passwords. But he needs some basic information to be able to sort through. He's very capable of sorting through the stuff we do and I keep him informed of all the stuff we do, but he needs some really basic information to be able to deal with that. I think I might have given you a good example of that when, when we were getting ready for this um, this session in that at one point uh, in our very early married life, I was away at university um, doing my degree and our laundry um, caught on fire and he couldn't reach me. It was before the days of mobile phones. He had to leave a message at reception at the university which had to get to me and I had to get to a public phone to call him back. But he knew that I kept all our paperwork in a filing box under my desk. He he was able to find the insurance policy and then he phoned my dad to give him some help in working out what to do. So because he knew where I kept stuff, he was able to manage that um, that emergency. And by the time I did phone him, the insurance assess- assessors had already been and sorted everything out and there was some money in our bank to start fixing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it- And it's one of those things I have no doubt people listening to this are thinking, wow, I've really got to think about that. Because as as a business owner, you're often so busy doing the day-to-day duties, running around and, you know, know, working the crazy hours that you don't actually think that something can happen to you. And you've really got to think about this. You're forward thinking, really, you know, if something does happen, who is going to, like you said, are the passport, uh, passwords accessible? Do they know how to run the business? Do they know the clients? There's just so much out there. And I think what, what we learn from this is whether we like it or not, we need to spend time on this because the example that Leanne shared before, if I'm a owner of a small business and I'm doing everything, the chance of I have an accident or, or have some problems is large and the business can stop tomorrow literally can everything that we try to build and we listen to this all the time we read the book about this all the time but the question is who actually stop and actually okay enough is enough i bring my whiteboard i will do this Uh, i I think that's the biggest challenge i think whether whether you are a small business medium business who actually listen to this and actually you know what i sacrifice my next one hour to actually enough is enough and uh, let's implement this because as as maybe uh, I shouldn't call it boring, but you know, when we no one yeah. wants to talk about risk, and when Leanne brings this topic, <laughs> when Leanne brings this topic, I quite like it because this is something that we need to talk about, and and we need to stop and doing this. Yeah. I was going to say there's another there's another concept I'd like to introduce at this point, which is one one I really love, and let's let's talk about our kebab shop owner. So um, it's the concept of pre mortem. Um, and it's it's like a risk assessment, only it's a more creative way or more interesting way to do it. So we take our, our kebab shop owner and he decides he wants to expand and he wants to, by the end of, of 12 months, he wants to have 10 more kebab shops. And the concept of pre-mortem is to say, to imagine you are 12 months down the track and it's all gone horribly wrong. What happened to make it go horribly wrong? So you really... You really thinking forward and saying, this hasn't worked, why didn't it work? And in that way, you're going to mitigate the risk of it not working. Yeah, and I think we need to do that. 
because you don't want to come 12 months after this uh and then suddenly why this is happened <laughs> now yeah. you, you know this thing was why this is happened to yeah. me you know that that's and i think we learned through the covid there's a lot of business including my business uh you know we didn't plan for a lot of things and and we learned through the covid that hey uh, it's nothing wrong in thinking the worst outcome uh, i mean we not wake up every day thinking about that but at the very least we need to spend time to think about that i look i think that. on that note gus what i saw as a non-executive director when covid hit was that the business businesses even though i don't think anybody had major pandemic on their risk registers so nobody had necessarily well nobody that i know of had necessarily planned their response to a pandemic but those businesses who were very good at risk management very good at emergency management very good at disaster management and recovery managed the crisis way better than those who weren't so the fact that they understood how to analyze the situation how to analyze the risks how to put action plans in place how to manage an emergency meant that they coped with covid way better than other businesses yeah Definitely. And you just touched base on, you know, risk, emergency and disaster. I'm assuming, are they they three levels of risk management? Are they three separate levels? Yeah. So so risk is about your day-to-day business. Emergency management is about the the customer that comes in, trips on the step and, and breaks their leg. What do you do in that situation? And disaster management, again, you know, in the kebab shop is, um, the power outage for for five hours and ten thousand dollars worth of 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 you know product is going to be spoiled because the refrigeration isn't working. So that's I guess that's the levels. That's the way that I think about it. Yeah, and and just curious, uh, you know, we're talking about risk assessment, but how often you mentioned, you know, uh, maybe include it in a monthly. Uh, you know, discuss it monthly. Is that what you would be saying for those small business owners out there? It's not something that they can just, you know what, I'm going to dedicate one hour to it today and then just leave it to next year, is it? It's something that regularly needs to be revisited. Is that how you would, is that the advice you would be giving them? Yes, absolutely. So the reason it needs to be regularly revisited is because you need to make sure that the actions you plan to mitigate those risks are actually happening. And once they have happened, have they done what you thought they would do? Again, a really good example of how this goes wrong is that when I was when I was working on the OU Tolgoi project in Mongolia, we the border that we were passing our concentrate through had never had copper concentrate passed through it. It was a bilateral border, not an international border, and the customs were not experienced in dealing with our particular product going through the border. And we had had a we'd had a big risk assessment with lots of experts in the room, a facilitator, everything. And we'd identified the customs risk as a key risk for us. And we had put in place actions that needed to be completed to make sure we mitigated that risk. And I made sure that I was reviewing that risk register, so personally conducting a review of the risk register once every three months. I handed it over to my to a manager to do that review and report back to me. I didn't get the report and I didn't follow it up. And what that risk around customs on the border had been missed, hadn't been actioned, and it almost 
sent the company broke because we couldn't get our product through the border for months. And, and the things that just to get, uh, once again, you know, representing the small businesses, what I like about what Leanne mentioned, uh, it's whilst the comparison could be versus a very large company, but we need to remember what Leanne said is, it's about the brainstorming, it's about the action it takes, it's about the discipline to have this very regular and it's about not putting the risk conversation as a boring topic but as part of your business and i think that's the key things about this it's not something that we want to talk about risk and oh my goodness this is uh, this is just like you know let's talk about something else no this is actually an exciting thing because this is putting a break that can make us faster i, I like that i will start saying that actually you know the risk management and how excellent you are actually managing your risk is an example of how good the brakes in your car just in case yeah, you and, need it yeah and you know Leanne, i'm just mm. curious you know in your experience do you see do you think lots of businesses actually don't spend a lot of time on this topic because there's a lot that i've learned through this conversation and i have no doubt that there'd be a lot of others out there but do you think that it is a topic that's often overlooked? Yes, absolutely. In my experience, certainly. Yeah. And I thought, well, look, look at um, look at the NAB and uh, you know the the money that was um, going through to child prostitution. Um, there was clearly there was clearly a missing link in their risk management system. And it it, it do happen. It do happen because now uh, I think the, this is can be related like this. Uh, Leanne sit on the very high looking from the top of course risk become important for i i'm not assume i know it's important because your business can collapse at any time but for the people that are running the business any topic of this is extra work right so like that's why we need to make risk management topic not as an enemy of a business yeah. because it is a work the minute you actually identify that two step in front of our kebab shop net to actually remove them Number one is cost. Number two is who doing it? Me or we hire someone? I don't even have money to buy the meat. Like we, we I, I think I think it might be as simple to start with as putting some reflective tape on the step. step. So exactly. It's, it's, exactly, that might not be the long term solution. That might be the immediate containment. Um, is to put some reflective tape on the step and then look towards how we can mitigate that risk in the long term. But in the short term, we're making people safer by making a simple, inexpensive change. Um, the other, the other. So it's not like an ostrich that putting. It's not like the ostrich that putting the head under yes. the sand, that's and right. then the problem is still that's that big. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And the other piece, I think I've always. The other thing I've always followed in my career is spend some time every day making things better, and. It might be 10 minutes, it might be an hour. And, and an example might be, you know, if I've got a job that takes me three hours every month to do, then I might spend an hour automating that and then I've saved three hours that I can spend on doing something else that makes my life easier. Yeah. And Leanne, can I just ask you, uh, out from the topic of risk and other things like that, uh, just your energy, you, you are very experienced, you example your analogy your uh, what's your favorite books uh if you <laughs> offer, like, like, like like you are very very your example is relevant 
um, you know, sometimes when we bring uh, executive leaders uh, with your experience, um, I hope I'm not saying it wrong, but sometimes it could be disconnect, but your ability to connect it simply. Hey, guys, it's not about changing the stairs here. We're talking about a putting a reflective, like, I love that. Like, it's a, I reckon uh, you are very relevant in managing your business because yeah. it's not about the difficult stuff. Even So I'm actually wrong in that. I'm straight away thinking, God, that two steps, I need to hire a contractor to remove it. And he said, no, no, no. You don't have to go that far if you don't have the money right now. But, you know, you might want to think about that. But how do you get all this, like, uh, outside your experience, obviously? Uh, look, it's a very revealing answer, Gus, because it does all come from my experience. My favourite books are fiction novels because I work so hard during my day that I do not, I can't bring myself to read self-development books because that's work. I did at one point when I was flying a lot, I committed to reading self-development books on the flight out when I was still sort of motivated and enthusiastic and heading to work. But on the flight back, it was a movie and a glass of wine. So I, I, don't, I don't read a lot of self-development books. This all comes from experience. That particular example comes from learning over time how to control risks. So, um, you know, administrative controls are the weakest controls and administrative control would be putting a sign up to say don't don't trip on the step uh, um, engineering controls or, or get getting rid of the um, hazard is the, the best form of control and that is removing the step engineering controls are mid-range and that is um, putting a fence up to stop people stepping over the step so so, but I've learned that in my career by working with experts in that field and just taking note and saying, okay, I need to understand that, you know, putting a sign up isn't going to help much, but getting rid of the hazard is going to be the best option. However, putting a sign up in the short term might help to stop people um, being at risk in the short term. Yeah. And, and look, I know I'm conscious of time, but I did have one question that I noted here, Leanne, that I wanted to ask. We touched on COVID-19. You know, no one had planned for, or no, you, you know, it's safe to say no one would have had that in their risk register, a pandemic. Is this something that we should now be including, do you think? Like, it, I mean, what's to say what's going to happen, you know, in the future? Is it something that we should be focusing on as well in the risk assessment? Well, the experts suggest that it is. Yeah. That this is going, this can happen again, and certainly it can happen again in the near term because we don't quite know what's going to happen as we open up. So, absolutely, should be. What if the what if we get closed down again? What are we going to do? Yeah, exactly. And then you know, do the best we can to plan right and mitigate the risks. Fantastic. Look, That's Gus, I'm going to hand it over to you because I'm conscious of time. I'll hand it over to you for the wrap up. Okay. So first of all, Leanne, thank you so much for your time today. When I get the note that you donating your time for little talk with your experience and with your topic it's hard not to think oh my god this will be a very serious <laughs> topic coming from a very experienced leader the minute you rock up you know your smile your energy uh, your way of sharing is just contagious your opening line my passion is my family this is coming from a very high executive that opening said, my passion is my family. I will stop everything to answer my children's text message. And I congratulate you on that because not many people will say that publicly. 
you also mentioned have a plan have a plan it is very important spend time but it's not about a, uh, a sophisticated system planning but share have a time to sit down with a whiteboard a pen and paper to have a plan so you understand what success looks like bring others with you on the way to success don't just go there by yourself and left everyone behind you also touch about finding a mentor who can open your eyes happy to punch your nose <laughs> instead of finding someone that become the shoulder to cry on because that's not a mentor that's actually a friend walk the talk because action speaks louder don't treat risk management as your enemy as boring as the title because it is actually helping you to identify to rank the risk and to act when things go wrong planning is your steering wheel break is your risk management it help you to drive faster risk management is not a choice it is a must and the one thing that i take from you today in everything that you answer lian simplicity is a key you learn from your surrounding you learn from your experience and you learn from everyone and thank you for sharing a very important topic in a, in something that me as the kebab shop owner can understand uh simply uh you are an outstanding leader thank you so much thanks very much gus that was a fantastic summary <laughs> Thank you and uh thanks Leanne and thank you everyone for tuning in for more information on Leader Talk if you want some great resources to help your business grow check out brainiac.com.au thanks everyone Leader Talk 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 Leader Talk, Leader talk.